Uh, final message, we are talking about single and secure. Singles, we have not forgot about you guys. Single and secure. I want to call this part my K&W message. Uh, if you've ever been to K, have you been to K&W right down the road in the mall? Uh, I want to apologize to any old people uh, because whenever I think of buffets, I just think of old people. And, and I went to K&W recently with Noel during Christmas time, and I really enjoyed it. It was good. It was good food. Uh, but, you know, when you go to, when you go, what's that? I am getting old. I am. Yeah, yeah. 40 is on the horizon, Miss Tammy. It's on the horizon. Um, and so when you go to a buffet, you get, just, like, you get a little hodgepodge, you know, pretty much anything that you want. I mean, you can get like jello, you can get like fried chicken, you get, I mean, just whatever it is. So, um, so in, this, in this part, I'm talking about sexual purity, uh, porn, why God's plan is best. I'm going to talk a little bit about singles, divorced, widows, and healing and purpose. And I'm going to cram all that in in 43 minutes. So I'm time timing here. Um, I have called some of my close friends this, this past week who, um, who are single, who are divorced, and who are widowed because I wanted to get a little, a little bit of feedback from them. And so I appreciate uh, all those that made themselves available and just kind of give me a little insight and kind of brought me into their world a little bit. But we're here to talk about sex and how it relates to the life of a single person. If you're not a single person here, I guarantee you, you have some single friends who are struggling in this area, and you can be an encouragement to them. I believe the best way to discuss what God has to say about sex as it relates to a single person is to talk about how he created it and in what context sex is designed by God to take place. Rather than talking about all the ways that we as human beings can engage in sexual activity in a wrong way, let's talk about how to do it right and why it's the right way. So Ephesians 5.3, which we have on the screen there, says, Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity, because these are improper for God's holy people. God's people who are set apart, who should look different from the world. We live in a society that doesn't value purity. And if you try to take a stand for purity, you're usually mocked for it. This past year, Miss Universe Olivia Coppola dumped Tim Tebow, former college football Heisman Trophy winner, because he would not have sex with her. And he got torn up on social media about that. Yeah, there was a lot of people, mostly Christians, that, that had his back and, and uh, were saying that he did the right thing. But, man, everyone else was just talking about his, you know, his sexual orientation and everything else. And, uh, and he just got, uh, he just got uh, slammed for it. But being single and staying pure is incredibly difficult no matter what age you are. No matter what age you are, it's difficult. Culture says sex is recreational play between two consenting adults, that it's fun, it's not a big deal. But in Genesis, it says that a man and a woman become one flesh, meaning they are fused together at the deepest level of body and soul. Body and soul. That's why... 
it's so hard to get out of a bad relationship if sexual relations have occurred. Because what's happened is you have formed a bond or a person has formed a bond with someone that they were not supposed to form because it's not their spouse. Um, many of us have been there or you have, maybe you, you have a friend right now that is in just a, a, an unhealthy, destructive relationship. And you're saying like, can anyone else see this except them? Why do they not want to get out of this relationship? Because I can almost guarantee you that there's sexual relations happening, which, is, which has uh, uh, formed a bond between body and soul. That's why it's so hard to break away from that. Every time you have sex with someone, you are being fused together in body and soul. So what happens is you give part of yourself to that person. After a while, if you give yourself away to several people and then do find someone to marry, all you have to le- have, have left is leftovers to give them. You just have pieces to give to them. A wise Puritan said, Satan presents the baits and hides the hook. He is a crafty enemy that presents immediate pleasure, yet hides catastrophic consequences. And we see this happen over and over and over again in, in, when sex, that's, that's out of the context of marriage. And I see it all the time as a pastor with, with people coming to me for counseling and um, just, just bad relationships that they're in. You say, well, that's easy for you, Pastor Jay. You're married. You know, so it's easy for you to, you know, for you to talk about sex and, uh, you know, you can do it anytime you want. <laughs> well, I'm 37. I'm only 37. And I remember being single in my mid-20s. I remember that time. That wasn't that far, far ago f- uh, for me. But before I met Sabrina, I had a sexual past before I met my wife. And I know some of you are saying, wow, I never really heard my pastor talk about that from stage. Listen, man, I ain't your typical pastor, all right? Um, we, we get real up in here, all right? And, and, and I, I, I say things uh, occasionally that, that I want you to say, can you say that from the pulpit? And uh, because you know what? No one relates to a holier-than-thou uh, mindset. All right. When I get real and I share about my struggles, because man, I'm I'm in this with you guys. You know, I'm battling with this uh, with you guys in 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 different areas, just like you guys. Uh, you can relate to that, and uh, and so so I'm right there. But my sexual past caused pain, heartache, confusion, and guilt. That's what that's what my sexual past did to me. Uh, we talked how men are very visual, and even to this day. There are some sexual encounters that I had when I was single that still pop up in my mind. And uh, we talk about a lot of times how like men have like a Rolodex in their minds. And occasionally just a th- something pops up. Uh, it could be a memory from 10, 20 years ago. I know that I'm forgiven. I'm saved. But that doesn't mean that there still aren't consequences that I have to deal with from my sexual past. I have to remind myself that that's not who I am anymore because Satan, he's a jerk, he's a punk, and he loves just to remind me of, of my past and, and the things I've done, and he wants, to, wants me to think that I'm not forgiven. 
uh, but I am a new creation. And so I remind him, I remind him that that's not who I am anymore. That's who I was, but that's not who I am. And God is using my mistakes for ministry. And God can use your mistakes for ministry as well. Um, no, I tried to justify what I was doing so many times while I was single. You know, if it was sex or if it wasn't sex, and, and you know, if I wasn't having sex, I was saying, well, you know, it's not sex, you know, so, so, so that's okay. Listen, don't fool yourself that you are being pure just because you're not having sex. You are deceiving yourself if that's what you're thinking. If you're in a dating relationship, and you are doing anything other than hugging or kissing, I can guarantee you're not honoring God with your relationship. I guarantee you. We all want to honor God and bless our relationships, but he can't bless disobedience. God cannot bless bless disobedience because it's against his character. It's against who he is. Now, purity is not just about abstaining from sex until you are married. It is a mindset that encompasses every area of your life, every area of your life. You know, sometimes girls say that they're waiting until they're married to have sex, but they are dressing in a way that is completely opposite of that belief. We're going to sell some uh, shirts in the bookstore that are going to have this on it. Hottest, modest is hottest. What do you think about that, huh? <clears throat> I might have to get approval for that. But I'm telling you what, modest is high. That, that's true. It's true. You know, some of you girls are not leaving for, like, much imagination for anything. All right? Listen, Christian men <clears throat> say they are living a life that honors God by not having sex but they look at porn on their phones or on their laptop at night or during the day while they're at work. Porn dishonors God. It perverts the sacred creation of God and exchanges it with lust, selfishness, selfishness and greed. What God created for good, porn perverts for evil. It takes his good gift of sex and de values it. You think you can quit whenever you want, but you can't. Porn is increasingly addictive, readily available, and like any other addiction, is more needed the longer the practice continues. For many, porn has evolved from a curious click into a crippling addiction. And I guarantee you, if there's anyone in here that is addicted to porn, it's got more of a hold on your life than you realize. And if you're a husband dealing with it, and you think your wife and kids don't know, you're probably fooling yourself as well. They probably know more than you think they know. Porn makes sex about deviant pleasure, cheap romance, and gross satisfaction. God intends sex to be so much more. God created sex for the purpose of cultivating intimacy between a man and a wife and to be the means by which the blessing of children arrive. 
heartbroken parents out there have daughters and sons who have gotten into this industry. Listen, those people that you look at, those are real people. They're real people, and they have a mom and dad. They may have siblings. They may have kids. And you cannot dehumanize them and seek selfish pleasure for yourself and think you're honoring God. Listen, porn is not just a struggle between men. Women struggle with it as well. And, and it's even increasing as well with, with women. So God's plan is best. It boils down to a matter of trust. We can, we can trust that God's way is best for us, or we can choose to trust that what the world tells us is best. And we know what the world tells us is perverted and cannot be trusted. I think, I think when we know, oh, this is what actually Rebecca, Rebecca St. James, who is a, uh, a, Christian, a Christian singer, and she got married later in life, but she uh, made a commitment to stay pure before marriage. She says, I think when we know that God loves us and he's got the best plans for us, then, he will want, uh, then we will want to live his way. I think it's when we doubt the heart of God and doubt his love for us that we have a really hard time living his way. If I know my heavenly father is looking out for me and wants my best, and he says that purity is important, then I'm going to wait. If I'm waiting to please him with my life, then what's going to be the biggest motivation because I don't want a cloud of sin to become, come between me and God. Do you believe that God loves you and that his way is best? Because that's what it ultimately comes down to. If you don't believe that God loves you and his way is best, then you're going to tr go try to find that in another way. You know how disastrous things get when you take over circumstances in your life and don't trust God. We have all been there, and maybe some of you are there right now. Here's the thing. God knows your struggle. And in Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, some of you may have never heard about this before, but if we have a God, Jesus, who walked the earth and faced every temptation that we faced, then he also faced sexual temptation as well. Now, we are born in a sin. Jesus was not born in a sin. So we have this, uh, you know, the struggle going on, in, you know, inside of us. But Jesus faced that as well while he was on earth. And yet he stood strong. Here are some things you need to have in place if you're dating. You need to find fulfillment in Jesus first. You have to find fulfillment in Jesus. 
you have to set boundaries. Let me talk a little bit about boundaries. Uh, I lived in California and uh, lived in San Francisco. It's, uh, is it Highway 101 off the coast there? Talking about California friends. So Highway 101, you got these guardrails, beautiful, beautiful scenery. And um, you got these guardrails, you got curves all around, all right? And you got these guardrails. Well, a lot of times, if you got a guardrail, the cliff's not like right past that guardrail. You have a guardrail, and then there's usually some grass, and then there's a cliff, all right? We need guardrails in our lives so we don't go as far as the cliff as possible and fall off. You need guardrails in your life that are going to be warning signs, that are going to be sirens that go off if you even get close to that. So you need to set boundaries. Don't put yourself in vulnerable situations. If you're dating and you think that you can uh, watch a movie with the person you're dating in your apartment or dorm room, you know, at 12 o'clock at night while it's dark and you think you can stay sexually pure, you are fooling yourself, man. It ain't going to happen. I've been there. I've been there. So you need to try to be out in public as much as, as, you, as you can. Uh, don't put yourself in vulnerable situations. Have friends that can hold you accountable. Have friends in your life that, that can ask you, hey, how are you doing in that area? People that love you and care for you. If you don't have these things in your life, you will not uh, stay committed to sexual purity. You just won't. Because you are engulfed by temptation all the time. Let me talk a little bit about sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. Statistics say that one out of every three girls will be sexually abused. One out of three. That's mind-boggling to me. One out of six boys will be sexually abused. One out of six. So you can take a look at all the people that are in the, this worship auditorium and just think about how, how high the percentage is just in this worship auditorium of people that have been sexually abused. And, and I know several of you because you've, you've come talk to me and and, and, and you've, you've shed tears, and you've talked to my wife and, or some of the other leaders or, 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 or prayer people up here. Listen, if you are a victim of rape or molestation, we are heartbroken for you. Heartbroken. And we hate that you had to endure that. And injustice has been done to you. I'm sure you probably struggle with guilt and shame and even blame. You might feel guilty about not having been able to, to stop the abuse. It's important for you to understand that it was the person that hurt you that should be held accountable, and it is not your fault. The enemy wants to blame you, wants to say that it was your fault. It is not your fault. Please do not believe that lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Maybe you struggle with self-esteem. You may struggle with low self-esteem from, from having your personal safety violated or ignored. Low self-esteem can affect many different areas of your life, such as your relationships, your career, your career and your health. Intimacy and relationships can be also very difficult for you. It's possible that your first experience with sex came as a result of sexual abuse. As an adult, intimacy might be a struggle at times with your spouse right now. Some survivors experience flashbacks or painful memories while having sex with their spouse. This needs to be brought into the light. Needs to be brought into the light so healing can take place. There needs to be a grieving process in your life that needs to start. It needs to happen. There's a grieving process. There was a loss, a loss that happened to you. And just when there's a grieving process, when, when someone dies, there's a grieving process when you go through sexual abuse. It needs to be shared with your immediate family, no matter how old you are. Listen, there's people I know that you know, are in their 50s and never told any of their family members until now. You may feel that it will bring shame to your family or cause division, especially if it was someone in the, in the family that did that abuse. But healing can't take place as long as this continues to remain in the dark. Healing can't take place. Healing can't take place um, in your marriage, in your family. Um, you know, you may have, have children as well. Maybe they're young, maybe they're older. And, and I guarantee you that that has affected uh, that relationship in some way. You were a victim and your innocence was stolen. Plain and simple. If you're married, when you and your spouse took vows, it was for better or for worse. Sickness and in health. Your spouse wants to come alongside of you. Your marriage can have a sex life again that you can both enjoy instead of dreading. But you have to get help. If you're married or if you're single, don't endure this by yourself any longer. God has, as if you are part of the bridge, God has placed a loving church family in your life to help you along. Listen, we are not afraid to get messy. We are not afraid to, to, to get in the hole with you and, and, and help you get out. I encourage you to talk to Melissa Harrell at Life Solutions Counseling. Uh, that's Melissa Harrell, Life Solutions Counseling. Um, she does an incredible job. Uh, I know she's, she's come alongside several people here at the bridge, and, and they've, say, they've, they've told her what a blessing that, she, that she's been. Check out Darkness to Light. That's another uh, ministry uh, for people that have been through sexual abuse or um, even I, th I think it has, even has resources if you're a family, how you can come alongside someone that experienced sexual abuse. But your church family is here to help you. We're here to help you, okay? Let's talk a little bit about singleness. Uh, 
I got married at 27, so I was a little bit older. So I remember living across country from my family and from my friends, coming home to an empty apartment, cooking dinner just for me. I had a lot of Hot Pockets back in that day. That's also why I was like 30 pounds heavier than I am right now. Uh, cooking dinner just for myself. I remember being in friends' weddings and wondering when it was my turn. I remember having my friends having kids, and, you know, and I was still single, and I wasn't even married, and I was like, wow, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you, but, you know, I want to be a dad as well. Well, God has certainly answered that prayer because <laughs> I have four kids. Listen, if you're single, the devil throws lies at you that you're not good enough and that you're not wanted. Once again, that's another lie. That's another lie. When I was single, I was so focused on finding the right person instead of focused on becoming the right person. You know, I wanted this little princess just to come and, you know, sweep me off my feet as well. That sounded kind of weird. Yes, I did. At times, singles are so desperate to be with someone that they can find themselves in destructive relationships and not even realize it because they're so desperate. Listen, I would rather be single than be in a destructive relationship. Why? Because I was in several of those. Several of those. So what are your standards? Are your standards right now God's standards? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Listen, because you're not going to find perfection in, in an imperfect person. I'm, I'm just telling you that. So, so quit find, trying to find that perfect person. Um, listen, like soulmates and stuff, that's not, even, that's not even biblical. Like there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about soulmates. I love my wife. She is, she is beautiful. She is hot. I, I, we have an awesome marriage. We're an awesome team together. But you know what? I could have married someone else other than Sabrina, and God would have blessed that, I believe. And Sabrina could have married someone else. She would have been miserable, <laughs> but she could have married someone else. And, and if she was uh, in a marriage where she was honoring God, God would have blessed that. He would have blessed that. And I'm so sick and tired of people getting, you know, breaking up, uh, uh, you know, uh, separation in marriage or divorce and saying, well, I guess they weren't the right person. Man, that's baloney, dude. That is, that is such garbage. It's about becoming the right person, not finding the right person. Because you know what? If hundreds of years ago, if one person didn't find the right person, they messed it up for everybody. Some of you still think about that. <laughs> don't settle. I'm pleading with you. If you're single, don't settle. Because if you settle, you will suffer. If you settle, you will not suffer now, only now, but you will suffer for the rest of your life because you made a poor decision, and it's not worth it. Listen, I was engaged before Sabrina. I was six months away from marrying another girl. And I thank God that he spared the both of us because it was an unhealthy relationship all the way around. Learn how, learn how to work hard in singleness. 
Let hard work be the posture of your life and the attitude of your heart. I love what Stacey Tarrant says. She says, don't expect someone who is not willing to work hard with their hands and their mind to work hard for your heart. That's good stuff right there. Marriage is hard work. And if you're not, if you don't think marriage is hard work, you're probably not doing it right. Marriage is hard work, and if someone you are dating or even engaged to doesn't have a work ethic, when life gets hard, they're going to want to bail on you. Also, if they can't hold down a job, there is a problem. If they've had about five jobs in the last two years, that's an issue. Ladies, don't expect hard work from a man if you're not willing to work hard. God didn't create a man to take care of divas. Holla. Someone who isn't hardworking is not very attractive. Someone who isn't hardworking is not very attractive. You also don't want to be dating someone that's a workaholic either and finds their identity in their job because that's not healthy as well. There needs to be a balance. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. If you're interested or dating, in, dating someone who is still living with their parents, run. <laughs> run. If they can't take care of themselves, how are they going to take care of you? The only exception is if they recently graduated college. And when I say recently, that does not mean a decade ago. <laughs> Do they have meaningful friendships? Fellas, if you're dating a girl and she doesn't have any girls that are friends, only has guy friends, run. Ladies, if you're dating a guy and all he has is girlfriends and not guy friends, run. Because someone that cannot have friendships with the same sex, there's an issue there. There's a reason for that. And I know some of you in here are really getting mad at me because that's all you have. Hey, buddy, I'm just preaching truth right here. Listen, if God, God's word should tick you off every once in a while. It should. Because you know what? God's word makes me mad sometimes. Because sometimes I want to live how I want to live. I don't want to be told how to live. But God's word speaks truth. And it pierces your heart. And, and if you're reading it and you're not getting mad every once in a while, you're probably not digging deep enough. Find fulfillment in Jesus and continue to fall in love with him first. When you do, if a relationship comes your way, that is only going to enrich your other relationships. If you are not finding fulfillment in Jesus first, 
you will be disappointed in your relationship because you can't find fulfillment in a person. You can't find fulfillment in a spouse. I love my wife, but I need to find fulfillment in Jesus first. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Maintaining a vibrant relationship with the Lord is the most crucial factor in living a life of purity. If you don't have intimacy, if you don't have a vibrant relationship with the Lord, you're going to have a hard time staying pure because he's going to remind you what it's all about. He's going to remind you that he has your best. He's going to remind you that he has your back. Don't wait for a spouse, if you're single, to have great community. You can have that right now. Your church, you get involved in a serving team, get involved in a, in a, a life group. As a single, you can encourage other people, who can you serve? You need to get up, get out, and go after it if you're single. Quit just waiting around. Get up, get out, and go after it. Make a difference in someone's life as a single person. If you're single, be humble, hungry for Jesus, and hardworking if you're single. Be humble, hungry for Jesus, and hardworking. Let me talk a little bit about widows. James 1.27 says, Look after orphans and widows in their distress. The death of a spouse is the number one stressor in a person's life. Over 800,000 people are widowed each year. And of that number, 700,000 are women. So ladies, you're killing us all off. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Widowhood lasts, on average, 14 years. That's a significant portion of a person's life. I mean, there's some widows that I've known that have been widows for 20, 30 years. That's a long, long time. And we, know, we need to come alongside of them. The poverty rate among widows is three to four times higher than elderly married women. Financial needs among widows are often great. Listen, you're never prepared to lose your spouse. Never prepared. And, and if you do, you lose your way. Sometimes you don't even, even want to be around people. Sometimes you don't even want to be around your church family either. Because you just don't want to be around people. You don't want people asking you questions. You don't, you don't want to see you know, all these people that you've known for years that still have their spouse and, and you lost yours. It's, 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 you know, I, I, I talked to uh, Dorothy Schreffler, um, who has been a widow for 13 years. And uh, she's a faithful servant here at the bridge. She serves in our VIP team. She serves as a door greeter. She makes meals for people that have surgeries. She makes meal, meals for spouses when, they're, when, they're, um, uh, when their uh, husbands are deployed. And I asked her about being a widow, and she told me, she said, you just have to keep going. You have to keep going, and your life doesn't end just because your spouse has passed away. She says you've got to serve people, and your life still has a purpose. I think about Sue Kemp. She's another faithful volunteer. She, she does our, our kids' check-in area, and um, uh, her, her husband passed away several years ago. I remember going to her uh, husband's funeral, and she even does data entry here for us at the church. 
Um, you know, these ladies always have a great attitude. They always got a smile on their face. They're always looking to make a difference in someone's life. Uh, widows have a special place in my heart. My grandma uh, was a widow when my grandpa passed away, and she lived next door, so I would go and visit her all the time, and, and it was really cute. Like, I would be like, you know, uh, you know, like, like my mid-20s, and, and she'd go over, and she would, I would go over, and she would give me, still give me like $2, you know, forever. <laughs> She's so cute, you know? And uh, like, thanks, Grandma. I got a full-time job, but I appreciate you, $2. Um, uh, I remember uh, when I was pastoring, I, I, I was a uh, senior pastor of a small church in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, at 24 years old. And uh, I be, really became close with a couple there, uh, Frankie and Pete Pack. And Pete passed away while I was the pastor of that church, and it was the first time I ever had uh, a church member pass away. And, and I've really come alongside Frankie and and. Um, uh, you know, she's just very special to me, and we still stay in touch. We still call each other, you know, once, twice a week, and she comes out to see us, and I'm going to go out to see her as well. And, um, you know, Sabrina and I hope that we get to be cute little old people uh, one day. You know, we were talking about last, last night, uh, yesterday, we, we, we photographed a wedding together, and, and um, you know, I want to I wanna be able to, you know, hike up my pants, you know, all the way up to here, and, um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be, I hope God gives us that opportunity where, you know, I can never find my glasses anywhere. Like, I can't do that now, let alone when I'm like 80. And, and, she, and she has a hard time hearing, and she's always like, you know, thinks I said something different than what I actually said. And so it's going to be really fun, you know, like when she's like 80 and 90, you know, just kind of see what she thinks I told her, but I didn't. And, uh, but, you know, I look forward to that. But you know what? That's not even, that's not even promised, like, tomorrow is not even promised. We've been married for 10 years, but you know what? Year 11 is not even promised for us. I mean, I, I hope that we, that we can celebrate 50 and 60 years, but, but God doesn't promise that, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to continue to live life to the fullest, and we're going to continue to invest in the poor and the people, and if one of us, one of us happens to pass away, like, that's going to be, it's going to be the hardest thing we've ever gone through, and we're going to mourn that. We're going to celebrate that the old person is home, and we long to be with them, but we're not going to slow down. Promise, baby, don't slow down, right? Don't slow down, and I won't slow down if anything ever happens, all right? And that's how you have to be with your spouse. What about those that are divorced? This is another area that I don't have experience in. Those that have been through a divorce share how messy and complicated it can get especially when there are remarriages and other children that come into the picture. With divorces come a lot of guilt and shame if you've been divorced. If you have remarried, our church offers a life group called Blended Families, led by Dax and Melanie Bradley that I hear is just excellent. They do an incredible job, so check that out. Um, if you are divorced and you're not remarried, we have a divorce care group. Uh, that is starting back up again, led by Mike Anderson. So if you want more information, just let me know or just email info at bridgechurch.cc and, uh, and they'll let you know about all those meeting times. No matter what season you are in right now, you may be asking yourself if you still have a purpose. And I'm telling you, yes, you still have a purpose. Nothing you have been through is meaningless in life. 1 Corinthians 7.17 says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation, 
the Lord has assigned them to, just as, just as God has called them. You know, I really enjoy reading. I don't get to do as much as I, I would like to, especially with four kids. Um, but don't you love when a story takes an unexpected turn for the better, where like you just didn't see it coming at all, and all of a sudden just comes out of the blue? Well, you could be one chapter away from your life taking an unexpected turn from the beginning. You could be one chapter away. Don't give up. You have a Savior that didn't give up, and he's not going to give up on you, and he's not going to give up on you in your current situation. No matter what your story looks like right now, no matter the mess, no matter the pain, whatever it may, may be, your story is part of his story. Your story is part of his story, and he's not done writing his story through you. I don't know the expir expiration date in your situation. I don't know that. But don't kiss away the hope that God has put in your heart for a relationship one day, for a restored marriage, for a companion, and to have a mother or a father figure come alongside of your kids. Sex God's way really is the best way. But you need to submit all your life to him and experience the joy found in obedience. You may say, well, I'm single and I'm lonely, Lord. I'm isolated from my husband. My wife is dishonoring me. I miss my husband who's died. I'm, I'm filled with regret over my past decisions. Listen to me. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We're all dealing with something, something that has us feeling half-hearted or empty right now. You may feel lost and not know what to do, but Jesus is your Lord, but you have to submit that area of your life to him. Let go of your plans or how to resolve the situation on your own. Submit to him, not just as Savior, but also as Lord. And yes, there is a difference. And yes, I'm almost done. See, when Jesus is Lord of your life, not just in word, but also in deed, like Paul wrote in Colossians 2, and I encourage you to read Colossians 2 this week, it talks about, uh, about being, uh, being one with the Lord. You allow him into the parts of your heart that are wounded and are hurting. But as long as you keep those parts of your heart in the dark, the prince of darkness has control of them. But when you submit every single area of your life, even whatever's in the closet, whatever's in, whatever's in the basement, when you submit that and you bring it to the light, God can bring healing. You want to know how God can have victory of your temptations? Rely on God's strength, not yours. Talk to your best friend Jesus throughout the day. He's not wanting to harp on you when you do something wrong. That's how, that's how many of us think God is. He's just waiting to bust us. He's waiting to just point out what we did wrong. He is there to help you. That's who God is. Get a prayer journal. Ask God to reveal the hidden, hurting parts of your heart, and he can dig you out of that hole. And take a step forward. If you're here and you're struggling with being single and feeling lonely, take a step. If you're struggling with lust, with pornography, with unhealthy relationships, take a step. If you're committing adultery right now in your marriage, if you're, if you're involved in a fear, uh, take a step because your spouse and your kids are worth it. Step into the light. Don't let the enemy keep hidden in the dark. We all have wounded parts of our hearts, and it's okay to say that I'm hurting and I need help right now. Let's pray.